Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Shiggity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my fine metal friends, and welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. Good God, man. Uh, (laughs) I'm Chuck. (laughs) I'm Godless. And this is your weekly examination of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. Uh, This week, uh, we have got a special show for you. We we already did a special show this past week, but it's always a special (laughs) show every single week. That's why you need to be uh, subscribed to us on iTunes, because that way, anytime we upload any show, whether it's the Brendan Small episode that we did last week, or whatever. Ever, it's going to come right to your inbox and in your Stitcher, in your iTunes. It's going to be right there for you. So make sure you are subscribed and you can check it out. It's really nice and easy. It's just like a button. I think you got to click. So yeah, I would suggest you do that. You can also check us out on the socials. I am at Bearded Ape. I am at Godless Speaks and Facebook's Godless Speaks. And if you would like to become a patron, feel free to check out ChuckandGodless.com or Patreon.com slash ChuckandGodless and uh, help support us a little bit. That would be kind of nice as well. So thank you yeah. to everybody who already has our early adopters. They've been getting some cool content and uh, going to be getting some cool other stuff after this episode, apparently, right? Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. I got I got something special. I was just about to say, like, you put up last week uh, for our Patreon subscribers, the uh, or supporters, the uh, very, very, very first episode yes. we ever did together. And it was hilarious because your reaction to it was, God, we sucked. And my reaction to it was, God, we haven't evolved at all. Well, <laughs> we still suck. So, I mean, I'm, so, t- I'm totally satisfied I think satisfied we're both right. Yeah, yeah, we're totally both right. Yeah, kind of kind of in there. Yeah. Oh, that's now I feel bad. It was bad. a fun lesson, though. It was hilarious. No, I know, was, I know. It was actually kind of funny. A, yeah, it was a cool document of, like, what was going on in metal, like, at that time. And, it, you know, it's funny. Like, a lot of the conversation was Slayer-related. And it was interesting listening to the Slayer conversation now in the wake of repentless yeah and uh, you know it was i enjoyed i enjoyed the hell out of it yeah well it is and it's crazy too that we've been doing this for three years now so it's you know keep 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 gonna gonna keep doing it man keep doing it yeah go ahead yeah this episode we got it's a it's a big one this was kind of important um when we got the opportunity to do this interview with uh michael sweet I basically had no dog in the hunt because I'm not a big Striper fan in the first place. I mean, I'm, I totally respect him. I uh, got, get a lot of respect for him. But this was one that I wanted for many reasons Godless to do on his own. <laughs> I got to say, this is like the first interview that we did that I lost sleep over. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but like, like, all right, so I won't get too much into it. But like, I rebelled against my parents who were party animals by listening to striper and and then going to to join a first assembly of god and and that just sort of got things going for me got me thinking about like the big questions it's just the thing was i kept on asking questions and the answers i was getting from uh you know those people that i was meeting through that community were not satisfying at all so i kept Mm. on asking new questions and so i've got a lot of um uh, gratitude to Michael Sweet specifically because he's the lyric guy. He's the guy whose voice that that you know spoke uh, that uh, got me a- asking those questions. I, I don't know when, at what point I might have started 
asking those questions if I hadn't been introduced to Striper. So yeah, makes sense. It, I, as as much as I don't like the idea of Christian metal, I think it's an oxymoron. I've talked about that many times before. Uh, or Christian rock, I think, is just a, it's kind of a travesty. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is that I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for Striper. If you were to list out like what are the like you know five most important bands in your history, I mean Striper is easily on that list. I saw the back patch. I know you show you showed me the picture. I thought you were lying about that shit. I thought you were just joking. I was like, what? Really? Yeah. Uh, no, I was uh, I was taken aback to to know that you had done that. So. Mm, very interesting. No, we'll get into that interview here in just a little bit. We're also going to talk to uh, Doc and Vince. Something popped up on. Um, well, Doc wrote this article for VH1, right? And it was um, it was basically sort of it was a topic we talked about a couple weeks ago when there are a bunch of bands that were in the Billboard Top 20, right? That were a mixture. So you had Slayer, you had Iron Maiden, but you had Bring Me the Horizon and Five Finger Death Punch, and a lot of people were giving shit about Bring Me the Horizon beating out Slayer. Or uh, Five Finger Death Punch beating out Iron Maiden kind of thing, right? And they were headlines in Metal Sucks. Well, Doc took exception to this. So, yeah, we, we instead of us trying to de- defend it and him rejecting our sickness because we kind of see his side of it in some respects. Yeah. I agree with Doc. We, everybody else is old and in the way. Well, I mean, I don't know about that. See, and I mean, I kind of agree with Vince in one respect because <laughs> I just don't like Bring me the horizon. So, so what we did, we got we got Vince to come on and and, and deal with uh, deal with Doc directly in this time uh, this episode of uh, Reject the Sickness. So that's going to be coming up toward the end of the show. We're also going to hear a new one from Megadeth in this episode. But really, the feature is listening to Godless going gaga over Michael Sweet on the Metal Sucks podcast. Michael, can I, I just, before we really get going, but we're, we're recording, but I just wanted to take a moment to like let you know that you and your music was what set me off on a, like, I don't know, a, a journey about belief and faith, etc. that I still feel like I'm on, and I feel like your music was that first domino that got everything started. So in that regard, you know, I, I owe you some gratitude for that for certain. Well, that's, that's awesome to hear, man. That is really great to hear. And I mean, we've said this a million times and we, we've meant it every time. And that's why we do this. I mean, we love music like everybody else, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, <clears throat> if people aren't taking something with them other than just a song or a show, then something's wrong. And uh, we we try to give people more than more than that, man. Give them something to to take with them throughout their lives, and it's it's always very cool to hear that. I guess there's a boatload of topics that 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 I really wanted to kind of dive into. But congratulations on the new album. Uh, it's the heaviest thing you've ever done. Uh, it's great. Uh, you know, Black Sabbath cover. I mean, there's a lot of things that people are gonna uh, love about this album. I was curious about the title and the cover art, and whether that was suggesting anything that isn't being suggested in the lyrics. Not really. I mean, some people, you know, made some comments when we first released the song itself. 
about, gosh, what is this? You know, why are you guys singing a song about the devil? Or it seems like it's almost a love song to the devil. I'm thinking, no, it's not a love song to the devil. It's, it's, it's just a, a, a portrayal and an explanation for those people that don't know uh, the background of, of the devil, you know, of, of who he was and what he was before he was Satan. You know, he, he was an angel. His name was Lucifer, and a powerful angel who, you know, when he walked, music played. He was he was an angel of, of music, of worship. And, you know, I just wanted to kind of explain that in a song, and not just with the song, but with the imagery of the cover as well. I know that different shades of different Christianity have different beliefs about the devil, but do you believe that the devil is real? Well, yeah. I mean, you, you kind of have to. If you believe God's real... Uh, you, you can't have one without the other. I mean, you know, if you believe in God and that God's real, then you got to believe God's Word, which is the Bible, and the Bible speaks of a real devil and explains who he is and what he tries to do and, and what he's going to do. I mean, so you can't believe one and and say, I don't believe in the other. You know, you can't cut out pieces of the Bible and say, I believe this, but I don't believe that. That's just, that doesn't make sense. At least to me, it doesn't. You don't think that, like, there's pieces of it that are metaphor? I personally believe that the Bible is the living Word of God, and and I believe every word in it. And, you know, a lot of people in this world, as you're all too aware of, and I'm all too aware of, laugh at that and think that anyone that believes in it, you know, in being uh, a real... Uh, living uh, book that that speaks truth and, and that you know speaks things that happen, things that are happening, and things that are going to happen as being legit. Uh, you know, they think, "Oh my gosh, you know, you're you're crazy. What, what are you doing?" But that's that's why I'm, I'm a Christian. You know, and the band's made up and comprised of Christians, and we believe what the Bible says, every word in it. So, are you a young Earth creationist then? And uh, believing that the Earth is only 6,000 years old, that sort of thing? No, absolutely not. No. Well, no, wouldn't I that... I, I believe, and I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, you know, the strong possibility and probability of, of other life out there and, you know, uh, on other planets. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys that limits himself or myself to, you know, just believing that what's in the Bible is all there is. Absolutely not. So what would creation then be? If, if we took it literally, how do you like reconcile that with the idea that the Earth is you know, millions and millions and millions and millions, hundreds of millions and billions of years old? Well, that part's not in the Bible. Well, the, the idea of Adam in, and that's Eve... That's not in the Word of God. I mean, it's, it's not in there. It doesn't explain, you know, the age of the Earth. It doesn't explain before mankind. It's It's... You know, that's that's something to that's something you should ask God. You should interview God someday and ask Him that. Well, I'm working on it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's that's a good question for God, not Michael Sweet. You know. <laughs> well, but I'm I'm just curious as to what it is that you believe because, like, like I guess you know when I think about like 1986 and and where my beliefs were at that time, in large part due to what your ministry and what you guys were doing. And then what I began to believe may be true 
uh, more true over time was always sort of informed by new information. So I, I guess I'm really curious because, you know, in thir- over the last 30 years, and you've certainly had, you know, a- amazing experiences over that time and, and uh, highs and lows. How has your how have your beliefs evolved over that time? Well, I mean, they've certainly evolved. And I mean, I've gone through even dark points where I, I didn't believe that there was a God. It was very brief. But, you know, when I've devoted my whole life to God and, and my wife as well, Kyle, and then she gets sick with stage 4 cancer and she's suffering and dying, you know, you kind of question God at that at that time. And I certainly Yeah, I'm did. very sorry for your loss, by the way. That was just know, absolutely I, tragic. Well, thank you. And, I mean, those are all times that we all go through and we all question God if we have faith in God. And... The thing that I had to come to the understanding of is God owes me nothing. He owes you nothing. You know, I, I feel like sometimes we we put God on this pedestal uh, and as if he owes us something, and how could he let this happen or let that happen? And God's a God of free choice. You know, we let everything that happens in, in our lives and in this on this earth, you know, we kind of bring it on ourselves. It's not that God lets it happen. It's just that you know, we, we make our choices, you know? Even, like, and, and sickness and cancer and birth deformities and famine and all these other things? I mean, you know, the well, problem of evil is one of those things, you know? all sorts of other things, again, that, you know, we're all going to have to stand before God, at least that's what I believe, and ask Him all these questions. Well, why this and why that? And how could you? And, and what's up with this and that? Those are all questions to ask Him someday. But it's certainly not not a question for me, because I'm not God, you know? And I don't mean to be cliche and keep repeating myself, but it's true. Yeah. And there's no, a lot I of understand. question marks I have. Why did Kyle suffer and die? I don't know. Doesn't make any sense to me. There's a reason There's a reason and a purpose for everything, and it, it plays out like it's supposed to play out. And, and so much of it we don't understand or comprehend, nor will we until we... We have the capacity to do so. I mean, maybe yeah. someday we'll we'll be able to comprehend it and understand it, and and God will explain it to us. But you know, I I am a firm believer in you know what the Bible says, what's in the Bible, and I put my faith in God, and I put my faith in what the Word says, and you know, it's just who I am. I mean, I, I wasn't like that as a kid. I wasn't like that as a teenager. But I, I came to a crossroads in my life where I made a, a, a conscious decision to make a commitment, you know, and, I, and I've stuck to that. I mean, I've had my ups and downs, but I've stuck to it and been very cons- consistent with that. I'm really proud of that, and, and as yeah. is the band. So at low points when you're challenging it, and then there's also high points where you must feel an incredible amount of confidence in what you believe, and what is it that you base those beliefs on? What experiences and, and things that you've seen well, makes all that... all sorts of things. I mean, you know, I, I base it on facts. I base it on history. I base it on science. I base it on uh, things I've experienced and witnessed. You know, things that, to me, are miracles. I, I, I've seen miracles. I, 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 don't, I can't call them anything other than miracles. And a lifetime of it. I mean, I've seen people give their hearts and lives to Christ and who are drug addicts in front of me, shaking and going through withdrawals and instantly stop and take their drugs and throw them away. And, and they're new creations, like, instantly. I've seen it. I've, I've been there. I've witnessed it. You know, and again, it's, 
that's all material for people to laugh at and say, oh, God, come on, you know. But until you see it, you, you can't really believe it, and, and I've seen it. So, and it's it's based on so much more than that. It's based on things that have happened in my life, uh, you know, coming out of situations. It's based on uh, all that God's done for me and given to me. Uh, you know, have I worked hard and done my part? Of course. I'm not one of those guys that says, oh, you know, God, God did this and did it all, or I'm not one of those guys that goes to God and says, hey, God, well, you know, will you provide? I'm not going to do anything, but give me a house. You know, I don't buy into that either. I mean, you, you have to work hard and you have to do your part. You know, and God will do the rest, and that's that's what I believe. So, when you're thinking about the, you know, what they call the problem of evil, and and the way that some people end up with, you know, just tragic, tragic situations, and certainly one that you've lived through as well. But you know, people who were born with those sort of things, how is that possible underneath a a, a loving God? Because I believe that we've made choices. You know, started with you know Adam and Eve making a choice, you know, God God told them what to do and what not to do. And they made a choice, and they did something that basically caused a landslide and a domino effect, as every other man and woman from that time to now has done the same thing. We make our choices. You know, we deny God or we choose God. We We go out and we kill people or we don't. We go out and we take drugs or we don't. You can't blame it all on God. Oh, no, not at all. But when we're talking about a child who had no chance one way or the other, then I start going, oh, my goodness. No, but you weren't. That... The question didn't pertain to a child who has no chance. The question pertained well, for, to as an example, world I guess. And, well, but, I mean, come on. Most of the stuff you're referring to in, in a question like that is obviously stuff that is done by people or committed by people that are messed up or evil in their own right because they've made evil choices. And you can't so point you, to the sky and say, God, why did you do this? But what if it isn't the result of human choice or error? Well, why would you believe that? Because there's people who are born in the wrong area of the world. They're, they're living in North Korea, for example, and they're eating bark off of trees in order to try to survive. Uh, that, to me, just doesn't... What does that have to do, though, with having a a good, loving conscience or not? Because because a good, loving conscience would never let that happen. In the wilderness, eating bark off of trees, you're telling me that you're born evil or you're born holy? I mean, you you have, you still have, we all are born, at least I believe, we're all born with the capacity to love, with with emotions and feelings, you know, because that's the way God created us. It doesn't matter where you were born or what family you're born into or around. You know, true, well, I mean, families mess us up, uh, our surroundings mess us up, peer pressure messes us up, you know, and we're, we're influenced by a lot of bad stuff. But still, at the end of the day, everything's a choice. And we either make the right one or we make the wrong one. But what about I mean, these you've people been in there. North you've Korea as an example? How, been, I was choice? arrested as a kid I, when I was skipped school and, and went out with three buddies to go shoot the windows out in a Cadillac, you know? Yeah. And as I'm sitting there laughing and, and, and you know, pulling the pellet gun trigger, deep inside my mind and my conscious, I'm thinking, this isn't right. I don't know that that was necessarily God telling me that. I think that was just my own 
heart and conscious knowing what's right and wrong. We all know what's right and wrong. Yeah, I think so. I don't think that there's a God that's necessary for that. Well, but I do. And I'm not going to question you about your disbelief. Well, I'm just curious that's about your, your belief your in general. Yeah, totally. Oh, absolutely. Just as well, it's my actually, choice. but I wouldn't. Actually, my disbelief, I wouldn't call a choice. Actually, it's well, something that I you want to wish. Call it. I mean, you you have disbelief. You you don't believe what I believe, and that's fine. Right. I just did an oh, album no, with totally. George Lynch. I, I just did an album with George Lynch, who's an atheist and a free thinker. And I didn't stop and say, "Wait a minute, I'm not going to do an album with this guy." No. George believes what he wants to believe, and I still love him for it. I don't have a problem with it. But it seems to me like more so often than not, people that don't believe what I believe have a problem with what I believe. I think I know, what I know really... George George has sent me text messages and made comments about it, you know, trying almost yeah. as though he's tried to convince me to believe otherwise. And I find that very interesting. Well, I think that there's a couple of reasons for that. I think the first one is because, well, many of us are former Christians, and and I think that there is a um, there has been so many years of uh, Christianity being very aggressive about trying to convince people what they believe that when people now are trying to sort of uh, out themselves about their disbelief. And then on top of it, trying to sort of uh, try to get more people to agree. And I think uh, with the, with the the you know disbelievers, and I think a lot of that comes down to you know when you look at what's happening with uh, the woman not allowing people to uh, uh, marry uh, homosexuals, for example, or um, you know some of the things that you hear you know these politicians like Rick Santorum say, or or the amount of money that old people are giving to people like Joel Osteen for you know without paying any taxes, and and we start and flip that coin. Look at all the atheists trying to get prayer taken out of schools and Bibles taken out of schools and Christianity taken out. Of, I mean, come on! <laughs> but it's public schools. <laughs> it, it's a two-way street. Well, yes, but it, it's this idea street, that. But, but don't lump me in with those with those Christians. That's why I wrote no, the song "Big Screen Lies." Absolutely, but what I'm saying is that 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 is becoming the thing that disbelievers need to find more people to vote against and find more people to stop from happening. So there's more and people it, who it, are trying it, it to... it works both ways. Like, I just saw something on CNN, and uh, I, I, was, I was shocked by it, actually, because basically there was a Muslim fighting to get some sort of literature placed in a school but yet at the same time have some Christian literature removed. And I just thought, wow, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I say that incredibly sarcastically. Yeah. I mean, that's double standard bullcrap. But I think taking Christian literature out of public schools is not a double standard. Well, it, it is when you're fighting to have your faith and your literature put in. Well, yes, in, for the in terms of Muslim, but if we were to go back to the idea of atheists working towards, but in terms of towards, anything, in terms of you know, not just re, not just faith, but freedom of speech and freedom to have your agenda pushed and put in schools. Don't don't fight for what you want put in there, hanging on the freedom of speech routine, but yet you're trying to pull out something that is based on freedom of speech and why we came to this country was freedom to worship. 
That's just bullshit. But I think what it's not really about in the schools is not about freedom of speech. It's about separation of church and state in public no, schools. No, but, 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 but often enough, you're right, in some instances. But in others, it is sometimes about freedom of speech because it's, that's the headline. Well, I wouldn't make that argument. I would make the argument, and I think I see it more often, that it's just about the idea that you have people of many different faiths and many different non-faiths <laughs> uh, or, uh, you know, or agnosticism who are putting in taxes to a system that then would turn around and be given to schools to teach children of all faiths, etc. So therefore, right. I mean, you it, can't have one faith represented. You know, I just saw some an article on that being being placed in, in schools and books on, you know, how to how to worship the devil and whatnot. And but you realize what they're people, doing? Well, not all the time, but a good portion of the time, who want to have all the biblical and, and Christian stuff removed. I'm not one of those guys that says, "Hey, you know, you can't remove Christian faith or, or God from this prayer or God from the Pledge of Allegiance or this or that." And put in, the, you know, your satanic stuff. I'm one of those guys that, you know, if they want freedom, if they want to be able to have everything put in there, I'm all for that. But don't try. I just believe my personal opinion, agree with it or not, and I know a lot of people that do agree with it, is that for some reason there seems to be an attack on Christianity more so than ever. And that's that's in interviews, that's by people in metal, that's by people in... Uh, you know, business, that's by people in Hollywood, that's by film and television, you name it. I see it all the time. And I just kind of shake my head and I think, wow, why the hate? I don't think it's hate. And I, d- I hope you don't really think this conversation is hate. You don't, you don't Do think you? any of it. No, I don't think this is at all, but you don't think oh, good, any good, of good. it's hate? No, very rarely. I think that when, most when often... are having their heads cut off, you don't think that's hate. Well, that's Muslim. You don't see atheists. But they're killing them because they're Christian. But that isn't about the the you know atheism and the rise of of but, secular but it's, thought. But it's definitely a, a part of what I'm referring to. If stuff that's going on worldwide, I mean, that's to the extreme. But you can't conflate secularists with Muslims. That that wouldn't well, be fair. No, but what I'm what I'm saying is there seems to be this painted picture that is you know, painted over and over again using the same strokes to make Christians look like, you know, complete asinine fools. And I'm sorry, but I'm not. Yes, and I'm oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, and, and, you know, I, I'm when, not when, like when I've, some Christians but, that you meet or other Christians that you, you may not want to meet. I'm, I'm not like that. Oh, I want to meet them so all. Don't put me in with that group, you know, and, and, no. and I feel like instantly... You know, same thing with Muslims. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of great Muslim people out there. But people put them all in the same group of, oh, you know, they're terrorists, they're this, they're that. And that's just what we do as people, and it's terrible. There's good and bad in everything and everyone. I think in 1986, when you guys are on the strip, and you guys are standing for clean living, no drugs, you know, that sort of thing, you guys were, had, you guys were moral and had the upper hand of what was going on. I think that now most people are starting to see that secular morality is actually 
got the upper hand on morality that's coming from religion. And I think that's part of this vibe that's, that's happening. You've got Christian, just using the, the uh, gay marriage issue for, uh, as an example, it was the, you know, all different shades of Christianity that were fighting so hard and continue to against the idea of two people who love each other being able to marry. And that I think was sort of, it sort of helps elevate this idea that, yeah, things have really changed as far as morality is concerned. Well, I mean, here's the thing that happens a lot, and it's sad. But there are groups that call themselves Christians that kind of go out and fight for certain things in, in a full way. The way they go about it, it's the way they say it, it's the way they, you know, march and, and you know, what's said and done. And it, it makes the rest of the world look at them like, oh, my gosh, you know, these guys are... are are nut jobs. We've seen it over and over again. You know, this group that constantly attacks, they were at Ryan James Dio's funeral and, you know, protesting it and whatnot. And, and people see that and they think instantly, oh, there's the Christians again. In, in my opinion, that's, that's not even close to true Christianity. That's a cult, you know? It, it has nothing to do with the God I serve. I watched I a documentary about the... the same sentence or, or paragraph or story with those people. That's why I'm not saying them by name, mentioning them by name, but it's just sad, you know, because true Christians who are good-hearted and, and, and got it down and got it right, you know, and they're, they're just amazing people who represent love and God's love and, and what God's all about and should be about and is about, you know, they unfortunately get thrown in to that category you know it's they are pulling out they are pulling out passages out of the very same book and that seemed to support what it is that they're standing for and historically well, yeah so. i get it but i mean just think though if someone you know came along and was completely you know they they believed in everything you believed in but yet they were out there completely misquoting you or misrepresenting you in in a really bad way and you're just going, wait a second here. That's not how I feel. Yeah, I said that, but not in that way. You yeah. know? You'd probably take offense to it and, and, and say something about it and stand up against it. And that's, that's what I'm trying to do, you know? Um, with a lot of these nutcases, I just feel like a lot of really great Christian people just get a bad rap. Yeah. As do, as I said earlier, a lot of great Muslim people. They get a bad rap. Yeah. Or great Catholics, they get a bad rap because everything that happened and it's happening in the Catholic Church. And you know what? That's just wrong. Oh, it, it is. But at the same time, when you look at this book that you've got and you've got as many different interpretations of it as there are people, you've got a very, very mixed up history as to how and why it was written, etc. All of it seems to point to a very, very failed book. If the book had been written correctly, certainly by a divine uh, being, uh, or was at least divinely inspired, I would expect that at this point we'd have a better idea as to the right way to read the book. See, I don't, I, I, I disagree. I don't think there's different, of course, there are some churches and um, religions over the years that have, you know, rewritten it and, you know, added to it and taken away from it and, you know, written their own version of it, and, and I have an issue with that. But, you know, you, you use the word interpretation. 
but when there's different versions of it, like for example, there's uh, a living Bible. It's 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 written. You know, it's the same Bible. It's the same stuff you're going to find in a King James version or uh, standard in, in anything. I mean, you're going to find the same stuff in there, but it's just written in a more plain English way. That's not a misinterpretation or a different interpretation of it. Is that what you're referring to? Well, no, I'm, I guess what I'm referring to is when, for example, the Phelps family is out there with their signs and, you know, you interview those people and every hateful thought in their head, they've got verses and context to support their beliefs. Yeah, it's that's really just, hard. That's just whack jobs. I've met many of them over the years. They, they, they twist so, and misinterpret and, and completely distort. The Word of God, and not just the, not just the Bible. Take the Bible out of the equation. They distort history books. But are they, they distort, or is it possible that the rest of us are doing so because we don't want to believe that a God would be this hateful? I don't think God's hateful at all. I think God's a loving God, and so you just you're just coming at it from a different point than I am, and you know we're going to agree to disagree, and yes, and and. A lot of other people out there don't believe in God. You got people who deny God. You got people who don't believe there is a God or ever will be a God. You got people that believed in God and then walked away and now they don't. You know, but hey, man, look, if anyone shouldn't believe in God, it's me. And I still do. Yeah. So, you know, you live with your beliefs and let me live with mine. Absolutely. No, no, I don't mean this as an attack by any stretch. I, I was well, just I mean, really I interested in Are we going to talk about music? Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. One of the things I was going uh, to say that's is what, that... That's uh, what I'm really excited about at the moment is we got a new album coming out called Fallen, and I sure hope we're going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I, you know, like I said, th- th- this all sort of came from the title and thinking, hey, I wonder if there's something else going on with Striper. I know that you guys have career and family and your social circles and everything is tied into uh, your your faith. And so, you know, it's like, well, geez, Absolutely. I wonder if there's little clues out there that might be given that, well, they want to get out, but they can't because everything is built around it. No, 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 no. We, uh, I mean, we had a, a time where we, as you put it, got out. And that was an album we made called Against the Law. And, uh, and we were out, man. We were out drinking and, you know, going to, you know, strip joints and, living the exact opposite life of everything we said we were, you know? Talk about that in my book. I get into that, and uh, everyone, well, most everybody knows about that. It was yeah. a tough time for us, but, you know, believe me, if we wanted to if we wanted to get out or do something different, we'd do it. We wouldn't let the pressure of having to do or continue down this road keep us from getting out. You know? <laughs> what I thought was interesting about that story was the idea that, you know, the four of you guys, like, uh, as a team, seem to have, like, you know, d- d- done, you know, obviously built so much together, but then at the same time, when Against the Law was happening, it was like the four of you guys all went that way at the same time. Why Why was that? Well, not really. It was one guy walked in with a six-pack of beer, and the other three guys looked at him like, what are you, crazy? And then the next day he walked in with a 12-pack of beer, and the other three guys looked at him like, oh, again? Uh, all right, I'll, I'll have one. Give me one, you know, reluctantly. And it just kind of snowballed. And so I'm it's not all Oz's fault. I'm not on that one person. 
or you know whoever yeah. that person is. I'm just saying I'm giving <laughs> you an example of we all kind of you know started with one thing and then it snowballed from there, and then we all eventually, after four, five, six months, started encouraging each other almost it seemed to do the wrong thing, you know the wrong thing being turn against everything that we were. You know, our marriages fell apart. Mine didn't, thank God. It almost did. You know, we had a little girl on the way, and, you know, here I am off, you know, not giving any time to my wife and not being a good husband and being a jerk. And, you know, Tim's marriage fell apart. Oz's marriage eventually fell apart. Robert's relationship, that was soon to be a marriage, fell apart. You know, if that's the other side of what we have now, we don't want it. Forget it. Been there, done that. I did that from the age of 13 to the age of 20, man. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know, I did it at a very early age. I got it all out of my system, thank God. And I'm proud to say that I am who I am today because I turned away. Your relationship with Kyle must have been just phenomenal for her to stand by you at that time. And then, I mean, it just seems like a really great love story. Yeah, it, it, amazing. And and but at the same time, you know, hopefully this doesn't get an eye roll or anything. But you know, I know where she is, and and that's what helped me to move on when she passed. I instantly understood and recognized and realized where she she is, where she went, and where she is. And 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 I believe that we're all going to see her again. And and you know, I, I cling to that. And. But I have a great love story now. I, I, I met my beautiful wife, Lisa. I'm remarried five years, going on six. And she's she's a godsend, man. She's an angel. Uh, and I love her dearly. So I've been blessed with two love stories. You know, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, that is that is phenomenal. Congratulations. Most people, most people don't even see one. We talked to um, uh, LeJohn Witherspoon from Seven Dust, uh, I think two weeks ago. And first of all, he was he, he was surprised to hear that uh, uh, his bandmate had written a song with you guys. <laughs> See, that's amazing because that that's crazy. So, LJ must not be online or anything because I was tweeting about it. <laughs> yeah, and so was Clint. It was all over Blabbermouth. It's like, yep. Okay. How <laughs> I was can so you surprised. Know it's like about it. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't you? You should have dibs on your bandmates. You know, Google Alerts or something. Oh man! I mean, I'm surprised <laughs> because it's not like it's it was hidden or anything. It was it was out there for the world to see. You know, and it's a great song. Well, thank you. I, I, I'll tell you how that how, how that came to be. I uh, <clears throat> I met LJ and um, and Clint on a plane. We, we were flying and. Um, Next thing I know, someone was tapping on my, my elbow, and he stooped down, and it was Clint and LJ. They both came back and said hey to me, and, uh, and I'm like, oh, man, hey, great to meet you guys, you know? And uh, they uh, said the same thing, and when the plane landed and I got off, they were standing there waiting, and we took photos, and <clears throat> eventually I wound up you know, following them and exchanging information with Clint, and I asked Clint if he wanted to, you know, be a part of a song or two uh, on the new album, and he said absolutely. And he sent me that main riff for Yahweh. It was, you know, a little more of a modern feel to it, but I loved it. You know, the opening riff. And I took it and ran with it, and wrote lyrics, wrote a melody, and created the six and a half minute song. And it is a really cool song, man. It's totally different for us, and I'm really thankful for Clint's involvement in that, 
pretty awesome. One of you the, know? You've been talking for years about how with every new Striper album, you're trying to keep the sound, but then add new elements that are modern elements so that you guys don't get left behind. And right from track one on this album, you're proving what you talked about years ago. Yeah, I mean, because it's important to evolve, I think, but yet at the same time, not lose sight of who you are. And I think a lot of bands do that. We did it, you know, with the album Reborn. Uh, I remember clearly uh, there was a defined plan making that album of, hey, let's not do solos because it's, it's not the modern thing to do and let's not do high notes because it's not the modern thing to do and let's not do this and let's try that and we purposely willfully went out of our way to not keep those striper elements within the recording and and that's kind of sad because you know that's don't don't ever run from who you are you know striper has a very unique sound love it or hate it you know that's what helped us pack pack arenas and, and sell over 10 million albums to date and you know all these accomplishments i mean that's what that's what gave us everything and uh, helped us to get where we are so we came to that realization i myself especially <clears throat> i started to with murder by pride and then with the covering i really did and playing all those covers recording them made me realize like wow this, these are our roots this sound these bands uh these songs why run from this? And then when we did No More Hell to Pay, we we really purposely uh, did our best to get back on track with who we are. What is it that excites you? Did you ever feel like... I know you're able to express yourself on your solo albums, and, and you're putting out more music now than ever, but do you ever feel like, oh my goodness, I, I wish we could get away from this one element, whatever it might be? No. I mean... You know, like, for example, people comment, we do these big background vocals all the time. And, and sometimes every now and then you get, the, you get the hater that comments and says, oh, man, I wish they would just not do the big background vocals for once. Well, you know what? That's our sound. That, that's just kind of part of the striper, the signature striper sound, along with my high notes and along with harmony guitar solos. People expect certain things. You know, and if you don't do those things, kiss with their makeup. You know, they took it off. People are like, What? <laughs> they put it back on eventually. That's really such a huge, integral part of who Kiss is. You can't take it away. And I'm sure they hated it and got sick of putting it on and, you know, all that stuff. But at the same time, it's just who they are. It's the same with our yellow and black stripes. You know, I, I talk about my love hate relationship with that. I love it and I hate it. And the reason why I hate it is because a lot of times that's why people remember us because of the yellow and black only. They don't remember a song or, or, you know, a melody or a lyric, they remember the yellow and black. And that bums me out because I put a lot of work into the songs. So, you know, I love it because it's, it, it is cool. It is eye-catching. It is our own thing, our, our trademark. Um, so, you know, I get it. it, it it's an important piece, but, uh, you know, it, it's just, I think bands often enough run from their past, you know, and, and they almost deny it and don't want to have anything to do with it again. And I'm thinking, Wow, man, you know? And see, I think a lot of bands don't celebrate anything that would sort of differentiate them, and they avoid showmanship, which are two things that that Yellow and Black certainly represent that you guys did right. Well, like, for example, Van Halen, you know? That's a good example for me, because I'm I'm one of the biggest Van Halen fans on the planet. I always have been, and I always will be. But, you know, I don't like their new stuff. 
I don't I don't like the the latest album they they recorded because I'm just listening to it and I'm thinking, gosh, you know, I hear little bits and pieces that remotely sound like Van Halen of old, but really not not that much. And you know, the edge is kind of gone. And maybe that's their fault. Maybe it's not because sometimes life changes us and it's really hard to get back to what you did before. Uh, I know I've been there and I've done it. It's still sad to me as a fan. I was talking to Eddie Trunk about this, and it's like Eddie seems to think that the solution is to let fans, you know, let a fan who is a, a, a talented engineer slash producer produce your album because they're going to tell you what you should be doing. No, try this. No, that's not it. And, and this happened with, uh, you know, the Accept guys. You know, the guy that produced their album was telling them, like, no, that's not Accept, you know. This is. Listen to this. And... And it helps steer them in that direction uh, of where people wanted them to go and what people wanted to hear. It doesn't mean they're selling themselves out and doing something they don't want to do. It just means that you, you got to be reminded of who you are sometimes. We, we lose sight of that and we forget it. Stripers, I think, really doing a good job of uh, recognizing who we were and who we are and who we should be. I tell you the same thing I tell everybody else, and that is don't listen to Eddie Trunk. <laughs> I have to because <laughs> I, I respect Eddie. I, Eddie's a dear friend, and I respect him. Yeah. And you know, uh, he he says a lot of stuff that makes sense to me, man. I mean, that made perfect sense. To me. So the when you listen Halen to that album, Van Halen right. album, when you're listening to that Van Halen album, you must be like, I mean, first of all, dejected, but second of all, you almost like probably like a doctor, where you're like, well, what? The, why'd they put that there? We need to fix this and fix that. Do you listen to albums that way? Uh, not really. I mean, I do with ours. I dissect our albums, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's hard for me to listen to them because I'm, just, I'm always critiquing everything. But when I listen to, like, the new Van Halen album or a band that I love, and I'm like, oh, i got to hear this. Yeah, put it on. Okay, ooh, there it is. You know, I'm not going, oh, they should have done that, should have done that. I just go, uh, I don't like this. Or, I love this. It's either good or it's bad. Van Halen you, made an album comparable to Van Halen 1. It would go platinum. <laughs> if anything could nowadays, right? In yeah. today's music world, it would go platinum. But they didn't, and what did it do? It didn't even go gold. But, when you're, I mean, we, you know, this is my opinion. Yeah. I'm certainly not a know-it-all, but I just get the sense that it would, because fans aren't stupid. Fan, fans know what they want and know what they like, and... Uh, you know, I'm a fan of Boston because the minute I heard that first Boston album, I was floored. It's perfect. It's perfect, and that's what made me a fan. Same thing with Van Halen 1. I heard Van Halen 1, and I was floored. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then it's slowly, Van Halen 2 was almost as good, you know, right up there, but not, not 100% as good. And then it just kind of slowly, slowly dwindled away, and the same thing with Boston and you know, they had some great albums and whatnot, but, I mean, now, you know, the stuff is really good that they're recording and, and, and releasing, but it, it doesn't really sound like the, the Boston that made me a fan, you know? There's a, a rapper called The Streets who has this song from, like, 10 years ago where he, he talks about dating celebrities, and he says the line, something along the lines of, it feels just like when I wasn't famous. Not in the terms of dating, but in terms of, like, just interacting with other musicians. I know you were successful and famous at a very young age, but do you get anything like that when you're hanging with guys like Boston? Oh, gosh. I mean, when I was hanging with Boston, I mean, that was, that was a whole different situation with me because it, it, it's 
hard to even put into words because obviously Kyle was sick at home and she pushed me to do that. I didn't even want to do it. You know, I had to basically plead with her like, no, I can't leave you. I can't. I was her caretaker and she kept insisting, no, you have to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. And uh, almost a gift to me, you know, and, and I wound up doing it, but it was just odd being out there on the road knowing my wife was home sick, you know. Uh, but that being said, <clears throat> when I'd go on stage and stand next to Tom and play those songs, it, it was it, it constant uh, pinch-me moments because I'm just up there thinking, is this real, you know? This is just bizarre. Because here I am playing these songs that inspired me so much and helped shape me as a young musician, standing next to, you know, uh, call it an idol or whatever you want to call it. I, I try not to idolize people, but at the same time, he's certainly an influence of mine. I'm standing there next to Tom, you know, and uh, playing these Boston songs, and it just kind of blew my mind every night. That's awesome. I I, 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 I apologize. I hadn't realized that you were doing stuff with Boston. I was like, wow, I got I to dig up some videos or something. Yeah, I did, man. I, I, I mean, it was short-lived, but, I mean, I, Brad Delp, as everybody knows, tragically took his life, and uh, they were going to hang it up. They were going to do one last show. And uh, they wound up calling a bunch of singers to come out. They were going to have Sammy Hagar, Ann Wilson, Mickey Thomas. And, and a couple of them wound up not being able to make it. And they called me as one of the singers, too, which I felt really honored. Uh, and then Tom called me personally and had never heard Striper, bought Striper stuff and said, I love this. You're a great writer, great singer. Come out and sing whatever you want. And I wound up going out and singing like four songs, you know, Peace of Mind, More Than a Feeling, Rock and Roll Band, Long Time. And and I'm just thinking, wow, this is amazing. And the night after the show, he came up to me and said, this is so special and so incredible. We want to continue on. We want you to, to be a part of it. So I wound up the next year touring with him in 08. And uh, it was crazy, man. I mean, it was it was definitely a lot of fun. Uh, that's the only, time, only tour I did with them. I wound up leaving the band, uh, you know, parting ways. Uh, once Striper really started getting more and more active and busy and you know striper's my band and um i wanted to devote 100 percent of my time to striper so was kyle just realizing that you were such a fan of that band that you had to do it was that the rationale from her point of view you know no i i never really talked about being a big fan of boston i mean it's not like i you know had their posters up and you know talked about them all the time <laughs> it wasn't like that at all it was just as a kid when i was 13 years old and that album first came out it was a big influence of mine on guitar tone and just the sound of that album, I loved it. But Kyle was probably a bigger fan than I was. I mean, because she, she was from Cape Cod and from Massachusetts, and uh, you know, obviously Boston is kind of the hometown hero band. You know, you're still so she there. Was certainly more of a fan than I was. She just wanted me to do it. She insisted, and and every every reason I had why I couldn't do it. Well, I got to do this, and I, I mean, I gave her her shots. I, I did everything. I, I I took care of her and cooked her food and juiced and, uh, you know, and changed sheets and laundry and, and you name it. And, and then I'm going on tour and I'm just thinking, this is just so weird. Um, but she just had a, a, an explanation and an answer for everything, why I had to go. <laughs> uh, and we had, a, we had someone else come in, a friend of hers who was her nurse, and then my daughter, Lena, helped take care of her. And, and I went away for, you know, three months. Uh, almost three months, and wound up uh, coming home and then, you know, going right back to, to taking care of her. 
that must have been so hard. I mean, on both sides, taking care yeah, and being crazy. away. It was just crazy. Every day, I just kept thinking, how is she doing it and how am I doing it? I mean, I just couldn't figure it out. You know, there was a lot going on. I was a, I was a stressed wreck, literally. Yeah. I mean, I, I wound up developing, like, this really bad reflux and, you know, like, it was hard for me to eat. My food started getting stuck and lodged in my throat constantly. And, uh, you know, I just I, I just uh, attribute that to, to stress. I don't know what else it was. But uh, eventually I had to have my esophagus stretched. And, you know, I, I deal with my, my reflux issues uh, to this day. But <clears throat> just a lot of stress, man. It was incredible stress. And it was very stressful being in the band as well. Well, how did that all affect your relationship with your kids during that time and afterwards? Well, I mean, with my daughter, we remained really close. My son uh, kind of uh, left. You know, he didn't want to deal with with much, and uh, he wound up moving out. And I asked him to come back, and he came back, and then he moved out again, and then he came back. You know, it was just a lot of that because Mike, okay. Mikey Junior, just didn't really know how to deal with everything and and i i can understand you know yeah are you close with him now have you been able to have a good relationship since yeah i mean we don't see each other very often because he lives two hours away but um they do come here uh he has a a son knox caitlin knox caitlin and mikey they come here they come here you're a grandfather michael yeah i know it's crazy oh my goodness crazy i know he's gonna be two in november and we see them maybe four times a year, if we're real fortunate, you know, five or six. But um, they come and spend the holidays with us and come down on vacation time and whatnot. You, yeah, must have like, you must have like a divine Photoshopper because like every one of your photos, you look like you're 35 still. Oh, no, man. I don't, I don't have a divine Photoshopper, but I, <laughs> I, I, I think that I would like to think that you know, I've taken care of myself. And um, am I aging? Yes. Do I have gray hairs? Yes, I'm getting gray hairs. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting old like everybody else. But, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't have 30 years of, of drugs and, and, you know, lots of alcohol. And, you know, I tried to stay away from that stuff. And maybe it helped to preserve me a little bit better. I have no idea. And well, I, try to, I try to eat right. I try to take care of myself, work out, treadmill. And, you know, try to... Stay in shape to some degree. I know you dabbled in vegetarianism. Did you end up diving in? I did. For, on the Boston tour, I, I became a vegetarian. It was granted; it was short lived. It was only for you know the, the three months of touring. We had a uh, vegetarian chef who prepared breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She was amazing, uh, and the stuff she made was just so good. I mean, she she used to make shrimp that looked like shrimp, tasted like shrimp, but wasn't shrimp. You know. Um, incredible food and and i lost a lot of weight i mean i i went into that tour weighing about 175 and i came home weighing like 162 so i just slowly started losing weight and me at 162 is real thin you know i'm I'm six one and for my frame that's that's way too thin and i looked i i was thin man i was a 28 waist and just too skinny so i was eating I was eating lots of food, but I guess my body, that was my, my body's way of saying, mm, maybe we, maybe I want some meat, you know? 
That's a, that's that's amazing, and I guess the the esophagus issues that you're having must have contributed to that too. No. Well, the esophagus issue was just a, a reflux. It was it was all based on reflux coming up and doing a number on my esophagus, and I got a ring on my esophagus that wasn't allowing the food to go down easily, and it just got worse and worse. I remember I was I was getting ready to sound check, and the sound checks for Boston were so stressful because we'd go out and sometimes we'd go sound check for two hours, two and a half hours, and then Tom would fly in on in his plane, uh, his little Cessna. And he'd get to the sound check late, and then we'd have to sound check all over again because he wasn't happy with everything that was going on or how it was sounding. So it was very stressful. And I remember going to the bus one time. I was real hungry. I hadn't eaten all day, and I, I, I ate a cup. I poured dried, frosted mini wheat into a cup, and I just started heaving them in my mouth, trying to eat it as quickly as I could to go back to sound check with Tom. And so I was pretty stressed out, and you know, it all got lodged in my throat. I wound up going up on stage, and him asking me to sound check my guitar, and me having to put it down, and I couldn't talk and walk out the back door and go try to basically uh, gag myself. <laughs> you know? And I gag myself and go back on stage, and he'd say, "Michael, can you can you do this?" And we hear your mic, and and then I'd have to put my guitar down and go back out and gag myself. It wouldn't go away, and they called an ambulance. Mm. <laughs> it was crazy, but. Uh, yeah, so I, I've had I had those issues, and then I wound up having my esophagus stretched uh, uh, four four or five years ago, about five years ago, and I've been fine. I is take that my, all my medication. What's is that? Is that all stress that causes that? Well, it can be. It can be. I mean, you know, stress is, really does a lot of a lot of stuff to people. It, it can cause a lot of uh, you know illnesses and ailments. I think it was partially stress for me. Yeah, because that's when my reflux came on really bad. Yeah. You got a lot of stuff you know, going during, on at that during time. During that period. And uh, I, I think it was diet and can be dietary, too. Like, you know, that all the doctors say, stop drinking coffee, and I still drink coffee. So Yeah, you should look at caffeine there, there pills. I can recommend some. What's that? Caffeine pills. Much better than coffee. Well, no, here's the thing. I just went and had my throat scoped today uh, to have my thyroid checked. And um, he checked my, my throat and my esophagus while he was down there, and he said, uh, you know what you need to do? He said, you need to stop drinking caffeine. And I said, so coffee. He goes, no, caffeine. He said, it's mm. the caffeine that gives you reflux. So Otherwise, I, diagnosis I was good? I thought it was the acidity in the coffee, yeah. but he said that doesn't help. But he said the caffeine is, is what really causes and creates the reflux. Well, dude, we've taken up so much of your time, and Michael, I have so much respect for uh, for you, and and f- certainly for uh, your music. And like I said, what the first domino that fell for me was as a result of what you guys did. So I am very grateful for that. So I, I, I definitely wanted to express that. And well, uh, man, that's that's again, as I said earlier, that's incredible to hear. <clears throat> I'm very happy to hear that. And uh, you know, thanks for taking the time to talk to me, man. And uh, I hope you like the album. I don't know. I don't even know if you've heard it yet. Have you heard oh, it? Oh yeah, I listened to it three times today because I had just gotten it over the weekend. So we're okay. going to play "Big Screen Lies." I was really hoping that you were singing about God's not dead in that song, but uh, yeah, <laughs> only so close, right? <laughs> well, I hope you like the album, man. We're pumped about it, and you know, we can't wait for the world to hear it. It's it's a little different for us. It's got a little darker sound to it than uh, the last album, a little heavier, guitars are tuned down, and, uh, you know, we're, we're pumped about it, man. We, we're really excited about this record, so. Cool. And touring, you got that all set, ready to go? 
Well, yeah, we're working on it now. We plan to tour uh, a lot next year from, uh, you know, April all the way through to November. We're going we're gonna to be touring a lot. And uh, worldwide? So, you know, we'll see what happens and see how it goes and, and what the reaction is on this album. Uh, so far, uh, you know, everybody that's reviewed it and heard it seems to really like it, man. So uh, yeah. it's, it's exciting times for us, man. It's, unfortunately, it's a, it's a difficult time in the music world. For any band, yeah. so you know you, for lack of a better way of putting it, you take what you can get, and you know what? It's not 1987. It, it's uh, you know 2015 and 16, and uh, it's a difficult music world. But man, we're still here. We're breathing. We're making music. We're touring. A lot of bands aren't, uh, or if they are, you know they're they're in a van down by the river, man. You know, and it's tough. <laughs> but we're we're actually doing okay. We're we're doing. I, I, we're doing great, actually. What am I, what am I saying? We're doing fantastic, <laughs> and uh, we have no complaints whatsoever. And you guys are getting along okay now? I mean, it, at this point, I would imagine that you, you still know how to press each other's buttons. Oh, yeah. I mean, but that's always been the case. I mean, that's, that's the case with any band. It's the case with any marriage, and I always refer to a band as being very similar to a marriage, and it is. You know, when, you, when you've got four... Uh, strong opinions, personalities, there's going to be some disagreements and clashing at times. And the key is communication and, and knowing how to talk it through and work it through. And we always do that. Awesome. Michael Sweet, thank you very much. Really appreciate all your time, man. This has been fantastic. And, and congratulations on the new album. And, and yeah, with everything that you got going on. Well, hey, man, likewise. Thank you so much. And uh, let me know when it's live, man.
to the Metal Sucks Podcast today. Starting up the hearse, set up for a final drive. 
Brand new Megadeth right there on the Metal Sucks podcast. Fatal Illusion is the uh, name of uh, the name of the song right there. Dystopia is the new album, I guess. I guess that's the name of the new album. Yeah, every fourteen year old girl knows what that's all about right now. <laughs> Isn't it just like amazing that like Adler's drums? It are, does like, something, right? It really does something. And it was interesting to me, like you know, like, like when you listen to like that protest, the hero album. And by the way, they got like another uh, uh, campaign, uh, uh, crowdfunding campaign that protest the hero are starting up. So look out for that. But like his drums, it just sounds like protest the hero. He was able to do that, but it seems like on this recording, at least. That is very specifically the Lamb of God style. Yeah. Chris Adler drums. There's something different about either the way it's mic'd or what he's doing stylistically. I don't know what what the hell it is, but it's it sounds really good. And I don't know that I'm like blown away by the song, but the drums well, to me is like exciting. The song is not bad, actually. I wish they cut that 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 long intro out of the top, out of the top end of it. But uh, but other than that, I mean, I think the song is actually good. It's the heaviest thing Megadeth's done in like three records. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't know if that's if that's like a direct Adler thing. You know, like if he actually if that influences there or what. But but yeah, it's definitely different than uh, than what we heard with the other two guys. So it's like, well, are you are you going to give the song the Chuck Loesch remix treatment? Um. Oh, you mean chop the front end off of it? I probably that probably should actually. I did that to another yeah. song too, and I feel bad. I feel bad when I do the radio edit like that. You know, it always, it always feels weird. But you know, I couldn't do it to Deaf Heaven, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll do. I'm waiting to hear the next single to see what the rest of it sounds like. So. I don't know. Yeah, it'll, sure. it'll, it'll be another one of those that gets thrown up there in the top 20 uh, of the Billboard charts, I'm sure, at some point. So that's our next segment that we are concerned with, because we had a really cool event just a few weeks ago where the Billboard top 20 or top 200 was littered with metal bands or heavy music, at least. And because some people won't call, you know, bring me the rise of a metal band. But <laughs> losers. Well, they won't. I'm I'm serious. They won't. And and the new record is not a metal record. I, I tell you that for sure. It's a it's a pop rock record. Uh, by compared, yeah. There there's no disputing that. So the thing is, but at least it's heavy music, right? That's in the top twenty. And we talked about that on the show. That it's a good thing. You know, rising tide raises all ships, or some shit like that, or you know whatever that means. But Doc Coyle had uh, and had made exception with a few of the headlines that came out on sites that, you know, he's contributed to, like Metal Sucks. So <laughs> we decided to hook up, you know, the, the right people, hook up mom and dad, have them to hash this thing out and, and, and talk about it on Reject the Sickness here on the Metal Sucks podcast. So it popped up on the feed, a little article that's uh, titled, It's Time to End the Civil War, Currently Tearing Heavy Music Apart, written by none other than Doc Coyle. And of course, you know, he's rejected our sickness many times in the past, so we wanted to bring Doc in on the podcast, but also at the same time, you know, uh, Godless and I felt that this was really, since it was taking issue with, uh, with, with Metal Sucks directly, we needed we we needed to bring the boss in for this one and bring Vince on to uh to to talk this out with Doc and see what the see what the hell this is all about. So, go you guys go. Well, yeah, I appreciate the uh, the civil manner in which you uh you broached the topic, Doc. That was very very uh, diplomatic of you. You're like um, I'm friends with the guys from Metal Sucks, and I used to write, but uh, so you know. <laughs> well, 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 it's, it's I, I say this, it's really no different than really what I do on the the podcast, you know, basically kind of presenting the counterpoint to a lot of the common 
narratives that I think are uh, seem to sometimes be carried by a good swath of the, I guess, vocal metal community, at least on the on the internet. Right on. So it's it's really not too not too different of a, of, of a role, but um, I, I guess I've kind of as far as my writing, I've kind of. I'll try and do at least one topical thing a month, you know, where it's like something happens like right in the moment. And I'm like, all right, let me talk about that one thing that's happening right now. Um, and I, as far as I was concerned, I was just doing another piece. Like it wasn't really like a big deal to me, but for some reason this, this piece went really big, um, you know, in terms of, you know, five finger death punch, picking it up. And then like David German from disturbed reached out to me and like, some pretty big magazines, um, hit, you know, kind of got in touch with me about, about working did, for Did him. David Draymond reach out to you in all caps? <laughs> no, no. But he, but he, I'll tell you this about, about David. I, I met him um, when I was playing with Lamb of God on tour with uh, Metallica. Um, and he's, like, his personality, like, exactly how he is, like, on stage, like, that very kind of commanding um you know, just presence. Like he, he talks like that in real life. Like it's really kind of, yes, he it was does. surreal. You know, he's <laughs> he like, totally does. Yeah. Like he feels like he should be like, you know, some kind of like, uh, he should be leading <laughs> some group. <laughs> like there's, when you, you see a personality like that, it's kind of no surprise how successful the band is. Cause the guy just has this kind of domineering presence. Um, but anyway, so doc, it, do, it, do uh, this, do this for me, doc, set this yeah. up as far as what your premise was in this article. And okay. then let's start there. Give me, give me your argument. Tell me what exactly, what, what your point was here. All right. My general point was I, I, I first saw the, the metal sucks article, which was the one with, um, saying that five finger death punch had outsold, um, Slayer with the, Unhappy face. I, and I was, it was uh, Iron Maiden, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm Iron Maiden. And that and it and it it bugged me. And I was like, really? That's kind of jacked. I mean, Iron Maiden just had like the most successful album ever, but it, it's it's still sad. Then a, a week, but I didn't write about it. Then the week later, then Metal Injection did the thing with Bring the Horizon and Slayer, and even and and I was like, all right, now you know. Then then it's like a trend. Then I was on Facebook and arguing with a friend, a, you know, old, you know, old friend who was basically parroting what you guys had said. He's like, I can't believe uh, Five Free Death Punch outsold Iron Maiden. Like, it made me realize that it's I get like what you guys do, where it's like you're you're just trying to get hits. Like, you got to get traffic. You're, you know, like I said, you're you're sticking a, a stick in the in the beehive to get shit shit going. Um, but the thing is, it has real world consequences where people actually start taking on these ideas of like, doesn't that suck? And I'm like, no, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just one band did great. Another band did great. They're both heavy bands. And that's awesome. So it was just it was very much kind of getting to the core for me of why I think that's bad for the overall health of just leading with negativity in a thing that's not negative at all. It's all positive. Um, well, well, first of all, I mean, I, I think you addressed this, but I did say in the article uh, itself that 
you know, well, hey, like, great for Five Finger Death Punch. They're kind of like an entry-level metal band. Some people probably get into metal through them and then go on to get into more serious or, you know, whatever kind of metal. Um, so, you know, I, I did definitely address that. Um, but I think, like, the, the bigger point sort of that I wanted to talk about is that you can't be positive all the time. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, you know, I think there's... Because if you're if you're just if you just like everything, you're the boy who cried wolf, or you're the opposite of that. You know, like you're you're Loudwire, you're Revolver magazine. You know, who just likes everything and therefore is not really a trusted source for for opinion on what's good and what isn't. You know, so you need to have when you're you know not speaking as Doc Coyle, who's a musician, but when you're a metal publication, you've got to have some you've got to establish some level of credibility. Um, of bands that you know that are good, quote unquote, because good is obviously subjective, and and not good, you know. So as far as just generally not liking a band like Five Finger Death Punch or I don't know, Bring Me the Horizon or Mushroom Head or you know whatever, um, that's that's what that's about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, am I going to sit here and say we don't spend time futzing with headlines to? figure out how they're going to get the most clicks. Of course we do that. You know, like that's, that's what we do, but I think there's substance behind it. And that's certainly not the only reason we do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that, um, that you're wrong about that. Definitely. In terms of having a point of view and you know, that, that definitely makes a, a lot of sense to me. Um, but I, I, I was definitely, um, critiquing the headline and the same thing goes like i said you know metal injection is just as part of this as as it wasn't you know you know i I definitely not and so it's not just you guys um and their same thing their content of their article also pointed out some of these positives but i wasn't it wasn't really about the content because as you know just as well as i do is half of these fucking idiots online don't even read the article they just look at the headline, <laughs> yeah. and they'll comment and they'll write shit. They're, like, they're probably idiots who like Five Finger Death Punch. Well, <laughs> I'm not gonna comment on that. No, of, course, hey, of course you're not, listen, because you're a musician, I, and you know, and musicians can't. You know, I'm not faulting you, but you know, like a musician, you know, who knows where your career is going to lead you? You don't want to say something that, uh, you know, if if you're and or future band gets an offer from five finger death punch you want to leave the the opportunity open to do that you know like you have to be political and diplomatic about it well i but keep in mind i'm also the way i view things is not the norm there are definitely people new other musicians who have no problem talking shit about five finger death punch have no problem talking shit about disturbed or or all that remains or any of these bands who will go on on the record it's just it's just more of a personal philosophy thing where it's it's not that i, I think like it's pretty rare like there're definitely those dudes out there but you know most dudes who are in bands at a certain level you know they kind of know better and they you know they're just not gonna really say anything well yeah and you'll do, yeah, and you'll and you'll have that conversation at the bar you won't have that that conversation I, on the record yeah but i i just think to be honest i think also my t- my taste and also the way I engage music as a whole or even art in general is that I don't sit, I, I, 
I don't view things in a way of like, oh, this is high art and this is low art. It's like, oh, I'm not going to go see Transformers because it's not, you know, um, you know, it's not going to it's not going to be on the Oscar list. You know I'm saying? I don't give a shit about any, any of that stuff, you know, or I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go to McDonald's because that's, you know, it's just, you know, I, my my great palate would not enjoy <laughs> a, a, a Big Mac. I can no, that is for the for the lower classes. No, no, no. Well, what just, about what about that Burger King uh, black burger? Oh. You could get that, and then your poop would be green. Listen, man, your poop is green already. It's Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that shit does not look appetizing at all. Um, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I'm I'm the same way for the most part. You know, I mean, I fucking listen to like pop music that most people would probably be embarrassed to admit and you know i mean i'll even go on metal sucks sometimes and be like hey like i dig the new shinedown song you know like whatever who gives a crap like we you know we always speak our minds in regards to what we like um but you know we're not really basically it, it dilutes our message if we just post positively yeah all the time well everything well the thing is i I, I'll, I'll tell you how we're, we're almost in the, in the same boat. Like, even me, my original um, headline was, it's time to end the, the Civil War in, in heavy music. And then they added, that's tearing heavy music apart. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, but look, and look, it worked, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, like, how many extra clicks do you think you got uh, because that was added? Like, we'll never know. But, you know, sort of like another point I wanted to make that that's connected directly to to that is that if that negativity stirs the pot and <clears throat> causes conversations to occur, like on Twitter and like this one we're having right here, then isn't it a net positive overall? Well, I don't. Well, like I said, for me, this was not some like grandiose like statement about you know, like, I, th for me, this is literally just another piece. Like, I needed something to write about that week, and that's what I wrote about. I'm actually really surprised the uproar over it. Or, like, why do people th like this piece? Like, you know, because um, in, in a lot of ways, thematically, I've been writing, uh, you know, a, a lot about these same issues, you know, really for the past year or so. So it's really nothing new for me. And anyone that follows me, it's nothing new. So I'm, I'm a little su surprised by that. But... You know, I think at the end of the day, Metal Sucks, you guys play your role, right? And I'm going to play my role. And another journalist is going to do what they do. The bands are going to do what they do. Like, it's not, um, there was no aim, like, on my end. You know, like, someone was, like, saying, like, oh, you're just shouting in the wind. I'm like, dude, I don't, I'm not, actually, Monty Connor was saying that, saying, that, like, I'm just, I'm saying these things, but, you know, I'm not going to change anything. I'm like, I'm not expecting to change anything. I'm just speaking my opinion. You know, it's, it's just, um, I think what, you know, my overall goal, I guess, if you know, if, if I can kind of maybe shape the landscape of how people are thinking, hopefully, is to make this thing more a bigger umbrella. Um, it's like, I, I wrote this article, like the 15, actually, I wrote the 15 heavy bands you should check out in, in 2015 or whatever. And then VH1 changed the title to 15 metal bands. But I didn't have all metal bands. You know, I had just heavy bands, you know. Um, and, I, and I put a band like Beartooth in there. I put, you know, or um, something that's not strictly metal because I don't look at things that way. To me, it's just heavy music. It's all in the same umbrella. And I just think if we were, if 
I think the the further down we go in this direction, the the more difficult it's going to be for this thing to continue on a bigger level. And we're just going to it's going to keep dwindling and dwindling. And it's going to be like jazz, and it's going to be a bunch of musicians playing for other musicians, you know, um, you know, snapping fingers and shit at a lounge. <laughs> I mean, do, I mean but, but do we but do we feel like it's dwindling though? That's that that's sort of. Because well, well, when we talked about this on the podcast and, and didn't really take one side or the other, because we actually hit that hit this topic before your article came out, which was kind of weird, because the idea that there were four bands, four heavy bands that were in the top 20 is like, holy shit, that's huge. I mean, just the fact that that there is that audience. So it seems like that's kind of counterintuitive, like there it is getting bigger all around. So, I mean, is that well, not the point? It's just like. No, it's just like America, all right? The rich get richer and the poor get worse. Like, yeah, the bands at the top are doing great, but it's 10 it's ten bands. And like I said, what happens when Maiden retires, when Metallica retires, when Judas Priest retires? Because all the other bands, that the newer bands that sell those records, Bring the Horizon in, um, Five for Death Punch, the metal community is saying isn't legitimate. So metal, you're like not claiming them. So their success is, oh, that's some other thing. That's not part of us. Do you know what I'm saying? I, mean, I don't think there's anybody saying that it's not part of us. You know, I just think that we're saying it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 um, and I mean, as a matter, in a matter, as a matter of taste, you know, every, that's totally a valid point, you know. Right, and and you know, and I, I actually, uh, I certainly agree with what you're saying about the the elder class, I guess, dying out. You know, look at that whole thing with Kevin Lyman and Mayhem yeah. Festival this past summer, and metal getting old, old gray and bald or whatever the hell he said. But you know, I think the uh, uh, the flip side of that is that you actually have a much healthier middle class than you ever had in metal at any time before. Um, you know, like you've got uh, bands that can play, I don't know, anywhere between like a 200 and 500 capacity venue, just more than you can count. You know, really, really healthy middle class, you know. And, and if you are going to say that the scene is dying or, you know, it's harder to be making a living as a musician now, I mean, you can certainly say that. But I think it's unfair to just say it's because of negativity. You know, it's in the metal community. There's a million other reasons that have been discussed elsewhere that it's not doing well and certainly not limited to the metal community it's all of music well i would i wouldn't i think negativity would be putting it a little too simply i'm just i'm just talking about separateness like the um the splitting of the genres and subgenres to the point where everyone kind of stays in their corner um i'm just you know what i'm you know, I, I think the, the quote-unquote barometers for success, you know, is like how how well is this thing doing? You know, I think, like you said, I think there are certain barometers that say, hey, it's doing really great, right? Like we can look at these sales numbers. We can look at, you know, some of these, you know, the, these bigger tours and how, how they're doing. Like you said, there's this kind of middle class, um, you know, but I'm – what I'm kind of interested in, maybe this is more just a uh, – preference thing or, or kind of maybe just i'm reflecting on the way i got into heavy music and stuff i really enjoy is just these tentpole bands you know you know who's going to be the next metallica who's going to be the next megadeth uh who's going to be the you know um dude you, I, sorry go ahead oh no i'm just saying that and i just don't and i feel in a way those 
bands have stopped actually have uh, metal bands have stopped having those aspirations instead of wanting to be the next Megadeth, they want to be like the next Faceless, or they want to be the next Whitechapel, and it's like, and and I guess that's fine. I guess there's nothing there's nothing wrong intrinsically with modest goals, right? Like there's nothing there's obviously nothing wrong with that. Um, but I do kind of I miss that ambition, and I feel like when someone comes around and they are ambitious, they kind of get punished for it at least in the on the underground side of things. I don't think it has anything to do with ambition. You know, I just think it's that um, a band like Five Finger Death Punch or, for an older example, Disturbed, has a more mainstream, polished sound that, that doesn't appeal to a certain kind of metalhead. You know, it's just an aesthetic thing. At the end of the day, like, you know, that's the reason why like, I tweeted you guys, you know, to say, hey, I wrote this. Like, I didn't want it to come around and be like, Oh, Doc is talking shit from across the internet. Look at um, that headline. Yeah. <laughs> what a uh, dick. <laughs> um, uh, no, and I mean, I've, I've read your, you know, I've been, I've read a lot of the stuff you've been doing for VH1. It's great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I, I read you guys every day. I'm on your website every day. Um, and the way I look at it, um, keeping, you know, being able to kind of have alternate views and talk about it in a respectful way, because like you said, I'm, in a unique position where I I can't write something and hide. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I talk to people, I know everybody, um, and I'm going to if I write something, I have to be able to look someone in the eye and stand up for it. And I'm I'm in this unique position where it's like the five year death punch guys are like fuck metal sucks dudes, and you and and or like and in some website they're shitting on some band, you know, like you're hating on. Maybe like all that means, and I'm talking to Phil. He's like, "Fuck those!" I'm like, I feel like I'm caught in the middle <laughs> between my writer friends and my musician friends. I'm like the, uh, you know, the the uh, the guy. The, I'm like the guy in the tug of war. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like that's kind of what I was saying before. Is like professionally, you know, you can't really. You know, I don't know what your opinion is of all that remains, or you know, any number of bands. But you know, like if you didn't think too favorably of their music, you you couldn't or wouldn't say anything about it because you have to see them and talk to them and you know it's just not something you can do really phil well, just, just needs hugs that's all phil i it, could but, but I and i mean the reason i can do it is not because i have to hide you know i mean like i'll you know we write under pseudonyms but it's easy to if you know how to use google to find out what our real names are and you know i mean i have to see some of these people too and like it's happened plenty of times and it's uncomfortable but you know it's like at the end of the day it's just like uh you know what dude like it, your music just isn't my taste like sorry you know like uh, what else is there to say really you know like you like vanilla ice cream i like chocolate yeah yeah no i i i agree with that i think you know but i'm also i think even even if i wasn't writing about this shit i'm the kind of guy like if i don't really have anything positive to say then it, it's not really i don't dwell on things i don't like do you know what I'm saying? I just, I just generally, or there's certain things where it's like, even if it's not my cup of tea, it, I, I kind of have to know about. So I'll listen to it, or just to have an opinion on. Or same thing like with, with watching. Oh, you gotta watch this movie. Like I'm gonna watch the, the new Fantastic Four, even though I know it's supposedly not good, just so I can actually form my own opinion on whether it's not good instead of just l listening to someone else's opinion and co-opting it. You know, um, yeah. but. But, but I mean, know. I think like at the top of the call, you said, you know, some guy 
said to you, oh, I saw it on Metal Sucks, and, you know, like, you felt like he was kind of spouting it back to you without really thinking about it, and, like, I think you're you're not giving metalheads enough credit, you know? Like, I think uh, people do, for the most part, form their own opinions, and, you know, I don't think anybody's going to just spout that back without having some knowledge of bands, you know? I mean, their proof of that is the hundreds of five-finger death punch fans that come on our site all the time and you know tell us how great the band is and what assholes we are you know well, like uh, well i don't think i don't think you give I, I think you're giving people too much credit and most people essentially go to their media sources to get their opinion you know that's why if you if you get into an argument with some super conservative person they will literally give you the fox news talking points or if you you know if you talk to someone who only watches rachel maddow and you know, Ed Schultz, they're going to essentially re- repeat the shit they say. People are, people, no, people are not that, um, uh, you know, innovative with ideas. They, they look to places like, like us, you know, and we, we, we absorb shit, man. It's, I, I think that's, that's just, that's just how it is, man. People, no, people are not that, there's not that many original ideas out there. That's why, you know, not for nothing, like, that's why someone you don't have to have an original idea to have your own taste in music. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about taste in music. Obviously, I have taste in music, but that kind of talking point, forming your own opinion, is, like, like that it, narrative. Yeah, that it's bad. That um, Five Finger Death Punch outsold Iron Maiden. I think that my my, my general point was the shit manifests in the real world, and the things we say, the things I say, the things you guys say matter. Because people li- people are listening. It wasn't you know? that it's bad that they outsold them. It was that it was sad. You know, it was, it's like, you know, like, wouldn't it be awesome if we lived in a world where Iron Maiden outsold Five Finger Death Punch? Well, it's if, like, you oh, globally, they, if you look globally, they did. And if you look at their catalog, they have. And if you look at their ticket sales, they will. So, I mean, in every other metric, they are. Just in that one week, <laughs> they didn't. So, I mean, does it re- I'm just saying it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like it, it's all good. Everyone, everyone won. I don't know. I personally think it's a good thing because it starts a conversation. I mean, and and when you got the metalhead going to your Facebook page, going spouting some of that off, at least if you want to try to school them, school them. You know, it gives you an opportunity to open up a conversation with somebody you may not have had a conversation with before because they have a differing opinion, and that is actually kind of a kind of a fun thing to do. A lot of time, you know, whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, because and that can get rough sometimes. Don't get me wrong. I know commenters can be whatever. But the but really, it's it's shit like this where we can kind of have a back and forth and everybody can can, you know, we can work it out. Yeah. And have been. Yeah. Well, that's one thing. I don't even think like like I said, this is what the conversation me and we're having right now. We would have if we were hanging out in Brooklyn. Totally. You know what I'm saying? We, we yeah. would literally have the same talk right there because we're you know we're friends above everything and and hell listen i don't want to have no conversation no motherfucker i agree with everything on i want to talk to people where we have differing ideas and we can mix it up and throw it back that's just it's fun to me yeah all right good okay i feel i feel i feel better okay everybody all right we're good we're good well, yeah, dude. Let's get along, man. <laughs> awesome. I'm so glad we got to get to get everybody together and talk about this, man. It's a, it's a good thing. And I think it was a you know, good topic overall, just because I think it it's obviously, you know, spurs a lot of different opinions. So, dude, thank you, Doc, again for uh, for coming on the podcast and, and uh, you know, rejecting our sickness and 
uh, of course, Vince. Right. You know, thank you guys. For sure. I, it's like how you guys, it's like Gollum with the ring. You know what I'm saying? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't stay away. Now I tell you, I see, I see the, I see both of their points. I mean, I really do. It's I, I can't, I can't avoid it because I totally want to agree with Doc because I think everybody needs to be uplifted and brought in, and, and, and yeah, it's great for everybody. But then at the same time, I also feel like Vince is right because Bring Me the Horizon sucks. So <laughs> you know, it's hilarious. Like you hear all the time, like how did all the German people just stand aside while you know the Jews were just like t- taken out to the trains? How, how do they stand around? And that's because there are too many people like you who stand around and go, yeah, I kind of see all points. Uh, <laughs> really? Did you just like, pull like a Ben Carson on me and like blame I'm the Holocaust on me? Is that what you did? Did you did you totally just do that? Uh, is that how that fucking works? Really? <laughs> Uh, that's great i mean you, you could totally do like yeah, I'm, I'm blaming for the school shootings or something it wasn't me who rushed the guy with the gun <laughs> at the front right. of the thing you just saw what is it was great for everybody why because oh he, he he deserved to have a gun no no shut up dude <laughs> that's totally wrong that's it i'm it's over no more of this crap you're not gonna no no a holocaust accuser i see how you are dude uh, i'm 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 just hoping that that our relationship will last at least until october 28th at the empire <laughs> control room and garage where we'll be uh uh doing our very first live recording we're going to be joined by the awesome and great max cavalera uh, from Soulfly, it's in Austin, Texas. Please get your tickets right away. Uh, start, get there early. It's like six p.m. We're gonna start. No, I think like we're gonna that, start right? like at five. We we gotta go early. Oh, yeah, wow, yeah, because yeah. wow. it's an early show. So yeah, it's gonna be uh, we're gonna be doing it quite a bit early. But it should be yeah. it should be a hell of a lot of fun, man. I I'm I'm super excited, and it's also it's gonna be sort of like a really great way to kind of test things out for when we do the same thing on the seventy thousand tons of metal cruise February four through eight. Get your tickets now. And they just announced Paradise Lost. Dude. Oh, I know. You were, dude, you've been predicting that one for a while. So no, I, I was, yeah. Congrats on that one. But, the, <laughs> but, but dude, thanks to our patrons for uh, for helping support us and in, in all that stuff because it makes stuff like that you know actually happen. It makes us, uh, you know, yeah. put in the effort and uh, and put it out there for you guys, man. So make sure that you are, you know, if you if you feel so inclined, maybe give us a dollar or whatever. You know, just go to patreon.com slash chuckandgodless or chuckandgodless.com and you can uh, jump in there on that. You can also... Uh, subscribe to our podcast and everything because that would be appreciated as well. You know, just listening to us in the first place. That's that's kind of nice. So I uh, want to definitely get you in there, get you subscribed, whether it's on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, make sure that you do it. Maybe even on iTunes, leave us a star or two yeah. or five, <laughs> whatever, you, whatever you feel necessary, man, or even a review. Because what I love is is how iTunes puts up like your lowest review and your highest review. <laughs> You're like, oh, <laughs> no, it makes me sad. But I feel good at the same time because that means people hate us and love us at the same time. And that's worthwhile, you know, being hated and loved. And, of course, you can find us on the uh, social media. I'm at Bearded Ape. I am at Godless Speaks and so, Godless Speaks on Facebook. Yeah, make sure you get us there. Thank you to Michael Sweet. Thank you to Vince. And, uh, of course, always Doc Coyle for uh, jumping in and rejecting our sickness in this episode. And until next week, I am Chuck. I'm Godless. And this is another episode of the Metal Sucks Podcast. Podcast.